uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and it's just, uh, I think, really fitting today. We're going to talk about uh, really the gospel seeds going forward and how that really it's not about us as human instruments, right? God's the one that gives the increase, but yet God chooses to use us as human instruments to plant the seeds of the gospel, to sometimes water those seeds. And, and you know what? Sometimes we see results immediately. And we're encouraged by that, right? Like, and, and, and that's encouragement when we see people coming to faith in Christ and we see people being baptized. And I'm sure with Cheryl, with 180, you guys have, you know, constantly experiencing the highs and the lows of times where you see a lot of fruit. You see a lot of maybe people coming to faith in Christ and, and, and lasting change in people. And then other times it can be discouraging because it's like, man, is, is any of this working? Is God doing anything? And, and sometimes we can have that temptation, right? Of struggling with, the, with that, of, of wondering, like, is what we do, is it really meaningful? And is God doing anything with that? But yet, many times we see that the seeds of the gospel that are being planted and then watered, it takes time. Now, again, sometimes we see it right away. Like, you plant something in the ground, and some plants, like, they'll, they'll grow quickly, you know, like usually it's weeds. So you, you don't even plant those, right? But they'll grow and you see, man, how can we, how can we just get rid of these or go growing so fast? But then other things, other plants, specifically certain trees like you plant and, and it can take years and years and years. A lot of planting and watering, a lot that goes into that. But rest assured, God gives the increase in his time. And Today, Paul, in, here in the context to the Corinthians where he's reminding them and really rebuking them because they're acting selfishly. They're acting like babies and they're, they're elevating, elevating um, him and Apollos, even Peter. Like They're elevating these human instruments higher than they should be and is reminding them we're nothing but God's servants. We're nothing but servants. Stop fighting and, and being spiritual babies and causing division over this. We're nothing but servants. We plant and we water, but who are we? We're God's, God's tools. We're God's servants. God's the one that gives the increase. So in, in chapter 3, he starts out, and, and it, it does seem like harsh language, but remember... Chapter 1, he encourages them. He says, you are saints. You are in Christ. He says, God will confirm or complete his work in you. He's encouraging them and reminding them that even though they have failures and faults, that God is at work in their life. And that their salvation ultimately is not based on their faithfulness. But he says, God is faithful. And wow, what an encouragement that that is, right? Because in this process of being sanctified and God making us more holy and more like himself, man, it can be messy sometimes. And we can really struggle with sin, even as believers. But there's some, uh, some controversy over this chapter. There's some debate over this chapter of, okay, who is Paul talking to? Is he talking to believers is he talking to non-believers? Because he says that they're, they're, he uses the word carnal. It just means fleshly, which really is a term that you would use for someone who's not a Christian. And he's saying you're carnal, you're fleshly. 
So some say, well, he's not talking to believers. Some say, well, he's talking to believer who, people who were once upon a time believers, but they're not believers anymore. Some say, well, he's talking to, to people who are believers, but they've never really changed yet. And it's like none of those things are true, right? He's clearly talking to believers. Because back to chapter 1, he's saying you're saints, you're brothers. Even in chapter 3 here, he says brothers. He, he says God's going to confirm you to the end. These are believers. And we know it can't be believers who have lost their salvation, right? Because our sal God says he's going to complete his work in us because he is faithful. We see in, in, in so many places in scripture, the comfort of knowing that we are secure in Christ and that, that part of the evidence for that is God's continuing working in our life. Jesus even said in, in, in the gospel of John, we have it recorded where he says that, that those who are drawn and those who come to faith in him, that, that they will be raised up on the last day. And we find this incredible truth in scripture that when Christ saves us, when the spirit of God gives us new life, that God is not going to lose any of his children. So we have that assurance. So is it that they're Christians who just haven't changed? Well, we know that's not the case either because when you meet Jesus, your life is transformed. You are changed. You can't meet Jesus and not change. That's impossible. And we see warning passages in the scripture over and over that talk about that. People that might say they have faith, but if there's no fruit or works that accompany that, it says it's dead faith. It's not real. It's not truly true faith because true faith is always going to be accompanied with works. In other words, when we meet Jesus, we change. So what's going on here, though, with this church at Corinth? And I'm proposing that it's this. They are true believers who are secure in Christ. They have changed. They're new creatures. In fact, Paul, is, is, when we get into chapter 6, he's going to list all of these sins. And he says, such were some of you. But now you are washed. Now you are sanctified. So he's pointing out God has changed you. But I think where we find these Christians is many times where we find ourselves as believers. People who truly are in Christ. Yet we still can struggle with sin. And sometimes can still struggle with seasons of time we go through sin. Again, I'm not, say, I'm not excusing sin, belittling sin, making light of sin. In fact, just the opposite. But sometimes as Christians, we can really, really still struggle with those things. And I'm proposing these are people who are being sanctified, but they are, a human, a human analogy is they're, they're, they're putting on the e-brake, right? They're being stubborn and resisting God's working in their heart and life. Now, ultimately, God will accomplish his purpose in us and through us. But you know what? God allows us. God allows us to choose if we're going to surrender or not to his moving and working in our life. And I think we can relate to this so well. Because sometimes like these, these Corinthians, like we don't live according to our identity in Christ. We fight that and resist that. And that's where I said like sanctification, God changing us. Sometimes that can be really really messy. So Paul says this, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but unto carnal or fleshly, even as unto babes in Christ. I've fed you with milk and not meat. 
And it says that because you're not able to bear it. And, and neither now are you, are you able to. Because you're yet carnal. Because he says there is among you envying and strife. So there's jealousy and fighting. And divisions. Are ye not carnal and walk as men? So look, he's saying you're carnal. Now that's a term you would use for someone who's not a believer, who's not in Christ. He's not saying that their identity is that they're not in Christ. He's saying, look, he's already established their identity is that they are believers. They are saints in Christ. But what he's saying is you're living in a way, you're living in a way that's not matching up to who you are in Christ. You're living like a non-believer. You're doing some of those same things that non-believers are doing. And here the instances, they were having unnecessary fighting and jealousy and division. And yet I ask us this question. I ask you, first of all, are you a follower of Christ? Are you a believer? Because maybe you're not a believer and that's okay. We're actually really glad that you're here. And it's okay that you're not, but we want to see you become a believer and put your faith in Christ as your Lord and Savior. And maybe for you, the reason why there's never been really a change, why as Pastor Larry talked about last week, maybe you don't really value and see the importance of spiritual things because maybe you're not really in Christ. And so those things, you don't value those things. You don't see the importance. It's just foolishness. We want you to come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And maybe the reason why there's not been a genuine change is because you're not in Christ. You're not a believer. And, but again, we're, we're happy that you're here. We want you to know that we, our desire is for you to come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe you're here. I would guess the majority here are believers and you know Christ. And I ask you this question though. Are you putting that e-brake on? Are you resisting things that God's doing in your life? And my fear is this, that many times, you know what? We can just excuse sin in our life. We can just excuse things in our life and say, well, that's just me. That's just who I am. That was just my upbringing. We can blame it. I'm not saying that those things haven't influenced us. I'm not saying that those things can't really shape someone. But I am saying this, that look, when, when, when Christ comes in your life, there's a change, there's a difference. And that as a Christian, we shouldn't have a mentality of just overlooking and excusing those things. We should be surrendering to when God is changing us and allowing for his spirit to change us. Because our testimony matters. Our testimony to other believers, where we can encourage one another. Our testimony to the unbelieving world. Now, look, I'm not going to pretend for one second that the majority of the unbelieving world portrays Christianity in a fair way. Many times they're looking for things and exaggerating things and pointing out faults and failures as a way to suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And so they love it when a Christian stumbles. They love it when a pastor or a Christian leader is found out to be a hypocrite and living like this secret double life. And they just love that where they can point to that and say, and, and really try to make them give themselves an excuse not to be a follower of Christ. And I'm not pretending for one second that it's always done in a fair way. However, however, our testimony matters. Our testimony matters to other believers that we encourage and to the unbelieving world who's watching us. How we live truly does matter. And when Christ saves us, there should be a change and a difference. And maybe right now you're really struggling 
with, with certain things in your life and you know you're a follower of Christ, and I just encourage you today, don't allow it to discourage you and defeat you to where you just give up. But surrender to God's moving in your life. Surrender to things that the Holy Spirit of God is pointing out to you. Because we should be maturing and growing. We should be living a life that's, that's matching who we are in Christ. But Paul's saying, look, you're, you're, you're acting like babies. You're acting like you're, you're carnal or fleshly. Now, nothing wrong with babies. We love babies. We have a lot of babies here at Cross Point. A lot of babies on the way here at Cross Point. And, and you know, babies are extremely selfish, extremely needy. They don't contribute at all to anything. They're just wait, weighted on hand and foot. And, and, and man, when they want to eat, they want to eat. Right? When they want a toy, they want, when they want, they want what they want, and, and, and they want it now. And it's cute, though, because they're babies. But you know what's not cute? Someone who's 30 and still acts that same way, where they're still selfish. They, they don't contribute to anyone or anything other than themselves. It's not cute anymore. And you know what Paul's saying? Look, like, you're acting immature. And I'm proposing this. It's not because they didn't know truth. I mean, Paul started this church. Paul was here a year and a half with them. And then Apollos, who was a gifted speaker and orator, he then was watering and he was there preaching and teaching to them. It's not that they didn't know truth. The problem was this, like it so often is in our own heart and life. They weren't acting on it. They weren't acting. How, they weren't doing the things they knew that they, they should do. Now, again, I'm not downplaying the importance of knowing truth. And knowing scripture, that's a really, really important because theology matters, right? What we believe about God and what we believe about his word is so important because it's revealed when life gets real and the tragedies come in our life and, and how we handle certain things in life. What we believe about God and his word is so important. So I'm not saying don't know truth. We should have a hunger to know truth and to dive deep and not just a surface level understanding of scripture, but as believers, as we grow, as we mature, we should want to be diving into the word of God and have a hunger for that. And thank God for, for the, the resources that we have and, and, and hopefully we can continue to, to give reasons as, as we teach and preach and just point you to good godly resources. I was talking to Pastor Howard. He's got a, a blog through, for the book of Philippians and working on one for the book of Galatians. I encourage you, Look for things like that where you can dive into the scripture in a deeper level. So knowing, knowing the scripture is important. I'm not downplaying that. But again, the problem so often is not that we don't know something. It's that we're not doing it. Man, I can't think of how many times where I've been giving someone advice. Or maybe it's even like a, a couple. And I'm not a great counselor by any stretch of the imagination. But a lot of times I'll meet with someone maybe once or twice and try to be a help and a blessing and encouragement. And, you know, but what I find so often is, as I'm giving advice, like, they're finishing my sentence for me. Like, they know what to do. And by the way, I've been in the same boat myself. Where it's like, but, but having someone tell me. What I already know, sometimes that can, be, that can be helpful. Sometimes we need to hear someone else encouraging us to do the right thing. We know it. We just need someone to, to help encourage us and give us a little motivation to follow it. And that's what I'm proposing is happening here. It's not that they're immature because they don't know truth. Just they're not acting on it. Maybe you, you, you can think of an instance. Maybe you grew up in a church 
I hope not, but may, maybe you know of a church or grew up in a church where there's just constant bickering and fighting and complaining. And, and sometimes, like, I've had people tell, look, I knew this church and they were really good, godly people, but they were always fighting. What I'm proposing is, no, they were fighting because they were not godly people, right? They may have known the truth, but they weren't living it. They weren't acting what they knew to be true. They might have known a lot about the Bible, but they weren't following it. And here Paul's saying, look, you're, you're babies, you're acting like you're not even a believer and here's, here's why he's saying that. He says in verse 3, whereas there is among you envying and strife and division. So he's saying the, the, how we can tell that they're, they're acting immature is because they have an attitude of jealousy. And then the action is strife or fighting. Because they're fighting. And by the way, there's a time to fight, right? There's a time to draw a line in the sand when it comes to the truth of the word of God. Even if it's unpopular with our culture. May we be willing to fight for truth, right? Like, may we be willing to take a stand for truth. But that's not what they were fighting over. They weren't fighting over, over substance. They were fighting over style. Because some were saying, well, I'm of Paul. It was, oh, well, I'm of Apollos. And we see in chapter 1, some were saying, well, I'm following Peter, a personal disciple of Christ. And you have this fighting over style, not over true substance. And as Christians, that's a really, really bad testimony. In fact, I'm proposing this. Anytime we have fighting and division that's not based upon truth, like and what I mean by that is like it, Paul also warns us about false teachers that are going to come in and preach a false gospel. Those are the times we need to fight. Those are the times we need to fight. But when we're fighting over things that are not even biblical things, it's not about truth. It's just about our, it's, it's about style. Every time it's because a result, it's a result of immaturity in our life, spiritual immaturity. That's just the reality of it. And so I ask us this question. I ask you, I ask me this question. It, are, are we seeing the Holy Spirit of God changing us and working in our heart and life? Or are we resisting that? And something that we have to, to think through and consider. Again, I know chapter one, we kind of dealt with some of it, but it was more of like encouragement. And, and again, today I hope it's an encouragement as well, but today I hope it's more of a challenge. W what is it that God's doing in your life? Are, are there things in your life that God is moving and working, and, but yet you're resisting his moving and working? And, and are we excusing some of those things? What I'm saying is this, not that Christians are going to be perfect. Like we sin all the time and we will. We will. We will until we have a glorified body away from the sin-cursed world. But God should be changing us. And we need to stop resisting when God is working in our heart and life. He's saying, look, the result that you're not mature, the result that you're babes or you're carnal or fleshly is because like there's envying and there's fighting. He says, verse 4, one says, I'm of Paul, another, I'm of Apollos. He's like, that's fleshly, that's carnal, that's, that's a worldly mentality. Pastor Larry talked last week about how that before we know Christ, like we look at, at spiritual things as, and, and have no value. It's like foolish, right? Not that, not that, not that, that the word of God is like, isn't logical or doesn't make sense. It's just the unbeliever doesn't see any value in it. It's, it's, it's foolish to them. But yet... When we know Christ, the Spirit of God reveals those things to us, and we can know things and value the right things. Paul's saying, well, you're not acting like it here. You're acting fleshly. You're acting like a baby, spiritually speaking. And then he says this, but who then is Paul? 
Who is Apollos? He says, we're but ministers or we're but servants. We're just servants by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. He's like, yeah, you believe because we preach the gospel, but we're just, we're just his servants. We're just his servants. He's like, I planted, right? Paul started the church. Apollos came and watered. Apollos probably saw a lot of the fruit. But he said, ultimately, God's the one who gave the increase. He says in verse 7, so neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. He that planteth and he that watereth are one, right? So the importance of teamwork, understanding we're servants and we're working together. Next week, we're going to talk about how that what we do in service for God matters. It has eternal impact, eternal impact for souls that are being saved. And what, Cheryl, what you guys are doing at 180, it's not just to give people a better life for a few years here in this life, though it does that, but it's because there's eternal value in it. It's meaningful. Anything that's done for God and for his kingdom has eternal value. We're going to talk about that next week, about making sure our motives are pure and that, that God is using us to, to have works of eternal value for his glory. But it's important to recognize, hey, we're servants. God's the one that gives the increase. We can plant, we can water, but God's the one that has to bring this to, to life. God is the one that gives the increase. But look, this is so, so very important especially for where we are as a church right now. And I love, absolutely love our church because I'm so encouraged by you guys. And I said this to, to the 930 service as well. Like I'm so encouraged at the attitude of humility and in, 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 in service within our body. And that is such an encouragement to me. And a lot of it is just behind the scenes. Like people that just see a need, they see a need and then they meet that need. And they have that attitude of, hey, we're, we're servants. Like just, just recently, like we're, we're talking about Vacation Bible School coming up. And that's like a really exciting thing for, for us because it's just, um, you know, just a great opportunity that we've had the last few years with it. And I've had so many people, yep, I'll help. Put me wherever you want me. Like, and that's just one example. It's not only that. Whereas we have highly gifted people that God is, has equipped and gifted, but yet they have the mentality of, hey, wherever, whatever you need me to do. Doesn't matter. I don't have to, don't have to have a, you know, a certain role, just whatever you need, whatever we need. And, and what I'm saying is like, it's important that we as a church ha continue to have that mentality because it's not really about me or you. We're just servants. That should be our mentality, right? But, but let's recognize it's important. Let's, let's plant the seed. Let's water the seed, but recognize God's the one that gives the increase. God's the one that gives the increase. And, and look, that's so so important, again, especially where we are right now, like as a church. Like, thank God for a lot of the things that we're seeing. And, 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 and thank God. Like, it's because of him. God's the one that give, gives the increase. But it's important we have that servant's attitude and that humble attitude of whatever it is that, that needs to be done. We're willing. We're, God, we're, we're your servants. We're servants. Whatever needs to be done, we'll step in. Again, our church has that mentality. Our church has that mentality, and it's so, so encouraging. You know what? Sometimes I'll, I'll listen to um, different podcasts or read different books 
um, talking about church planting. And a lot of times they'll talk about, you know, some of the like human elements of like human growth, like numerically in that. And I find this intriguing. Now, a lot of times the advice I, I think is not really biblical. Like I don't really find it that useful because it's more of like a business model than like actual like biblical wisdom. And it's like, I don't want the church to feel like a business. I, I don't want people to feel like, oh, they're just a, you know, another number and, and they don't really know each other and care about each other. Like that's a, that's a really bad mentality. But what I find though, some of the advice I find is like really intriguing and, and, and really biblical though, in the sense of that many times, and, and again, this is, this is researchers, right? Talking about this stuff. But I find it intriguing when they analyze different things. And maybe you knew this, maybe not. But 75% of all churches in the U.S., I think actually probably worldwide, but, but specifically about the U.S., 75% of churches are under 200 people. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes like we have this really bad mentality that, well, small churches aren't as good or effective. And small churches are bad. Big churches are good. Or vice versa. Because I've had people tell me the opposite, like, oh, big churches are horrible. Actually, no, there's some really good big churches that are doing a lot of effective ministry. Thank God for them. And ultimately, it's not really about the size of the church, right? It's God's the one that gives the increase. By the way, there's small churches that are making a great impact for the gospel. Pastor Caleb and I were talking this last week about a church of 50 uh, here in the Quad Cities that's, that's doing just a awesome job of gospel ministry and making an impact in the, the community and the area in which they are. So it's really not about a certain number of size. But what I find intriguing is this, that analysts say this, that many churches don't get over that 200 mark because, again, not all the time, not all the time, but I find it intriguing. They say it's because when a church gets past that 200 mark, things change really, really quickly. Not on, on what's being preached and taught, at least it shouldn't be, right? <laughs> But things change a great deal structurally. There's a lot of flexibility that people have to have. There's a sense of, oh, we don't know everyone anymore. And I'm proposing even a group of 50 to 75, you probably don't know everyone in there either. But it's the illusion that we know everyone, right? But, but many times they have to make great changes structurally. Things like adding another service, things like splitting up certain groups and adding other groups and times of services and those things like that. Again, this is just, this is, I find it intriguing and interesting, especially because that's kind of where we're at as a church right now about that size approaching that 200 mark. And so again, it just, it intrigues me. I want to be wise. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to, you know, put all this stock into what a researcher says, because ultimately we plant, we water. God gives the increase, right? Like maybe we'll grow by a hundred this year and that'd be awesome, right? Welcome a hundred people into our doors or maybe not. doesn't matter as long as we're being faithful of planting the gospel seeds, watering those seeds and leaving the results up to God, right? Like that, that should be our mentality. But I find that interesting and I do find it consistent with what we see in scripture and that's this, that within the body, within the church, we're all called to be servants and ministers. Now, I don't mean minister in the sense of like, everybody's got to come up here and preach a sermon on Sunday, right? God, God has different gifts and capabilities that he's given to all of us. But all of us who are part of the church need to see ourselves as we're ministers. We're God's servants. What, what can we do to help minister? Now, again, there's a lot of times we need to come to church and we need to be ministered to. 
we need encouragement. I know I do. But we also need to have the mentality, and you guys do, so please, this isn't, this isn't a, a rebuke or, or, or me talking down to anyone. I'm encouraging us, we need to keep doing this. Come and see, not how can I be served, what resources can I use, it's how can I serve? How can I serve? And, and, and I think this is what Paul's pointing out here to the church at Corinth, and he's using himself and Apollos as an example because that's what was the, the point of division and fighting is that they were elevating them up. And he's saying, no, 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 we're, we're servants. We're servants. Who, is, who are we? We plant and water. God's the one that gives the increase. And I think that it's so vitally important for us as a church that we have that mentality, and we do, but we continue to have that mentality that, like, we're servants. We're servants. And, and ultimately, let's leave the results up to God. But you know what? Maybe God wants to bring 100 people into our doors this year. And I ask us this question. I ask us this question. Are we willing to be flexible and unselfish if that means that structurally things have to change? There's some awesome, um, awesome ministry opportunities that we're praying about that we thought were, were going uh, to come to fruition like right before COVID hit. And then it's like, like Cheryl was saying, you with 180 and like, man, just a bunch of things got put on hold. And, and I felt like some of those things that we were hoping and wanting to do kind of got put on hold. But we recognize like that God's timing is always perfect, that God's timing is always perfect. And I'm looking forward to some of those opportunities. I want to just encourage us as a church family that we're willing to be flexible. Now, we always want to feel like a family. That's important, right? It, it, it's devastating when people say, like, man, I, I was at this church and I, I never got to know anybody. I felt like I was just a number. Like, those things are really devastating. The church should feel like a family, not a business. However, however, as we say often, let's always make sure that people know when they walk in, there's an extra place at, at, our, at our family dinner table. That we want people to feel, I mean, honestly, if we're going to fulfill the Great Commission and make disciples, it's going, to, it's going to result in people coming to know Christ and our family growing, our family growing. But you know what that takes? It takes a mentality for all of us to have of, we're servants, we're servants. Let's be faithful to plant gospel seeds. Let's be faithful to water that. And let's recognize God's the one that gives the increase. Let's be humble. Let's be willing to be flexible in areas as a church collectively. And then I ask you this again, as, as we conclude, what is it that God is, is, is speaking to you about? Maybe it's something directly, specifically here about, about fighting and division. Maybe it's something else. The Holy Spirit's working in your heart and life. And I just challenge you with this. Don't excuse that. Don't resist that. Allow God to change your heart in your life because God is at work. And be encouraged. Don't leave today discouraged and beat up, but be challenged. God is moving. God is working. Take that e-break off. Surrender to the Holy Spirit of God as he's speaking to you, leading you, and guiding you.